Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi everyone, just wanted to talk to you real quickly about my new and improved 10-week breaking free program. Um, It's all about sugar addiction recovery in a group setting. I expanded it from seven weeks to 10 weeks. The next session is going to start on Monday, March the 7th. It includes weekly group Zoom calls. These will be recorded if you can't make it live. They're usually about an hour and a half long on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 noon Eastern time, or whatever that is in your time zone. So if you can't make it, don't worry, they are recorded. We also will include this time as a bonus, a 45-minute one-on-one coaching slash emotion code session with me. Everyone will receive that. Um, We also have daily accountability buddies for daily support. There's weekly discussions, topics, homework, many tools, tips, resources, provides community and accountability, and I'm also including a VIP program that includes four one-on-one sessions with me, where again, we'll do emotion and body code. So if you're interested, please go to my website, unsweetensio.com, and click on the group coaching program. There's another document that I created there that will give you a lot more details. Uh, The regular pricing is $9.95 with VIP pricing at $12.95. So um, this is something that I've made from feedback from my other group group clients. And I'm really, really excited to debut this in March and hope that you can join. Again, you can look for uh, more information on my website, unsweetensio.com. Look under group coaching or f- feel free to send me an email. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 131 of Unsweetened Sio, the podcast. Today, we have Leslie Colburn back with us to kind of update us on her journey. And Leslie's background is that she struggled with sugar addiction and the restrict binge cycle for over 35 years. She's finally found what works for her and has been sugar and binge free for 237 days, about eight months now. The Unsweetened Sio podcast and the monthly recaps had given her the support and tools she has needed to find hope and recovery. She hopes to encourage others who struggle with sugar addiction by sharing her story. Leslie is a mom, a wife, and an author. Her newest children's book, You, A Reason to Celebrate, teaches children they are a masterpiece and encourages them to let their light shine. Giving up sugar has allowed Leslie to celebrate who she is and has given her a new hope. So welcome back, Leslie. Thank you for having me back. I love that your book talks about like letting, encourages children to let their light shine. As I was just saying to Leslie before we started recording, recording because we are looking at each other. We record the audio, but we look at each other. And I said, she's just like glowing. It's just so obvious. <laughs> um, so you're really letting your light from within shine. And I think that's something I have felt with my own sugar addiction um, recovery is like the light has been turned back on inside of me again. That's what I say a lot. It just feels like for so long, the light was out and now I just feel, yeah, like the lights back on and I can just see it in you. It's just so beautiful. (laughs) That is so nice. Yeah. I think in that addiction, it's so, um, consuming, right. And so it is so nice to be free of that part of it. Yeah. And just kind of feel like you again, without being constantly thinking about food and all, like it just takes up so much time and energy that you really kind of lose who you are a little bit. So it's nice when that starts like, oh yeah, I remember. I know. Yeah. Oh, hi Siobhan. You know? (laughs) Right. Right. 
yeah. you get to be, you know, your authentic self who you have always wanted to be. Exactly. Well, I'm going to link episode 113. Actually, it's kind of funny. Today's episode 131. Last time we talked was 113, which was back in October. And at that point, for those who haven't listened, um, I'll link it here so you can listen. Leslie was about four and a half months sugar and flour free at that point, and we knew we wanted to check in. So we're about eight months along now. So I'm just so curious and so excited to hear an update and what it's been like, especially, you know, maybe starting with where we kind of left off with you back in October, if you can kind of remember, because that was right before we were getting into the holiday season, right before Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and just kind of see how how you got through all of that, first of all. Right. Um, you know, a lot of our holidays revolve around food and, you know, those habits and those traditions. And I think that for me, having had four to five months under my belt of constantly saying, no, not today, not doing that, that's just not what I do anymore, was really helpful. Um, there was a time right after Christmas, we'd gotten a big bag of chocolate candy, my favorites, Russell Stover's on our front doorstep from our, a neighbor. And I just remember having that thought of last year, I would have just devoured the whole bag. And I think it was like a five pound bag. So having that realization that I could have that in the house and not be tempted by it. And that freedom and that release of that struggle um, was just this moment of, I was so grateful. Um, not to say that it was perfect. There were definitely some times that were a struggle or, or an awareness like, oh, that would be nice to have that. Um, but again, just the freedom in that. Um, I, I just think not being so, not having that chemical dependency basically and that time to practice and um be consistent with saying no was and just the freedom yeah. i think of being able to make that choice because when yeah. we're first caught up and when we were so addicted it's mm -hmm. not really even a choice am i going to eat this five pound it's like yeah of course i'm going to like right. there's no amount of willpower that's going to stop you when you're in that cycle of addiction so it's not even a choice so once you're you know, feeling, you know, once you're sugar and flour free for a while, it is really amazing that it feels more like a, cho a choice. Like I could eat this, but I'm choosing not to, because I know that's, what's good for me. Cause even I was saying, you know, in an earlier podcast this year, December was tough for me too, for a lot of different reasons, but I had actually like opened a box of chocolate, same thing, like one of my favorites and smelled it. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing? But that was like, I was just like thinking, but that's all like I knew I wasn't going to eat it, but it was a little bit I was tempted. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to eat this. Like that's where before if I had even just lifted the box, it would have been gone, you and know, in the house. Yeah, in the yeah. house and not just one, you know, the no. whole box, the whole box would have been gone. So yeah. and then just thinking and I can still think about how I would have felt after I ate it. And again, just getting through the holidays with not feeling that kind of sugar hangover. And so thinking about that, of you getting through and having that four and a half months under your belt, you know, which was really helpful. How did you feel come January? Probably, you know, for me, at least in the past, that's been a time where I'm like, okay, I'm going to diet. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It was all like food diet related because I felt so bloated and hung over. It's, it's like a sugar hangover from the holidays. So how did you feel? Did you take some time to kind of know the difference that you felt in January of this year, maybe compared to previous years? Yeah, there's definitely a difference for sure. Um, being able to, and, and going back to what we just talked about, having that distinction and realize and really realizing that it is an addiction last year i wouldn't have been able been, been able to resist the candy and the temptations and then this year having been free from that substance for so long realizing that it is such an addiction and so going into the new year i will say that i did have the urge to get rid of all carbs get rid of all like go on a like a some sort of a different regimen just because 
I think part of it is that habit new year. Part of it is um, the middle of winter and wanting to really tighten things up, but also knowing that in the past that just hasn't worked for me. And so having to really um, let go of that tradition or habit that comes with the new year and really focus more on different kinds of goals that are not food related. Mm, that's so, so it, it, interesting that that urge came up yeah, even because, just to restrict more. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because for people listening, that's, I think, very, very common. Um, I, you know, all of our recovery journeys are different, but just from my group coaching programs, hearing you say that, and even from my own experience that I continued and you'll, you know, you'll know when you listen to my recaps that I continue to be tempted to give up more, restrict more. And as soon as I had those thoughts, you know, it actually backfired and would make me want to eat more or something. So I do think that's part of the process where we're just wanting to continue. Um, and that's something really good just to be that you were aware of. And then we're like, wait a minute, I don't need to do that necessarily. Some people might need to, you know, but that's part of the experimental process of seeing, you know, what foods you can tolerate and how much of things like grains and, you know, things that are still sugar and flour free, but there's, we're all very different in the variety of foods that we can eat. So it's an experiment process, but I'm really proud of you for being able to kind of note that and be like, no, let's do something like a resolution or intention or something that's non-food related. And yeah, I had three big ones this year, nothing about food at all. Yeah. So that's a big, that's a big shift from years past for sure. Mm. And I think being eight months in, I still have some challenges as far as what I do tolerate and what I, what becomes more of a trigger or what I feel like I am eating too much of and that, and the foods that are take are um, replacing more nutrient dense meals. So I've kind of seen that as I move into um, January and into February, um, I definitely have got to cut back on some of those like popcorn and chips and stuff. I see that I am going to those more than my nutritious, more the meals that I had planned on having. So making those little adjustments, I'm noticing that now more in my journey than I had previous seven, eight months. And I remember you saying before, maybe even in the episode we talked before that this time of year, especially not just during the holidays, but the winter Yes, was very challenging for you. So I'm really glad that we're addressing that too, because I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people like, yeah, great. We got through the holidays, but we have to also acknowledge that for a lot of people, depending where you live, especially winter time can be very triggering. You know, I just got back from Hawaii and it was amazing, but I had someone that I was with that was going back to eight inches of snow. And she was just like, Oh, you know, so I think for a lot of us and I am, I'm very sensitive. You know, I live in Oregon. It's very rainy and overcast in the winter. And I'm very susceptible to that seasonal, you know, sad disorder of feeling a little bit down. And I know the things I have to do to counteract, but as an addict and someone that has this habit of reaching for food, when we're uncomfortable, even when it's just that it's winter time, we kind of want to just be lazy and eat. So I think that is something that probably a lot of us um, feel in that in that post-holiday part too. Or even in the past, you know, once people get through the like first two weeks where they're all gung-ho about this healthy eating resolutions and stuff, and then they kind of get, you know, dragged back, you know, back in. And then we start the other holidays of Valentine's Day and Easter and other things where, you know, there's lots of um, processed food to and, and to enjoy. So Talk to us a little bit then. I know that you've been, you know, kind of thinking about um, just, and I'm so glad that you're doing this reflection too. Um, That's why I'm so glad you're able to be on the podcast because it's really hard, I think, as you're going along to really reflect and see, um, you know, even like celebrate the, the victories, but then to even take some time to look, okay, what areas are still, what areas can I tighten up a little bit? So talk to us a little bit about those challenges that you're that you've kind of identified and then also the strategies that are working for you because again a lot of people listening they're going to find you know you might just say something that really clicks with them and helps them so that's why I love sharing our stories on here 
yeah, that is my hope. I hope that, you know, just even if it's one person that can, that I connect with, that can know that they can, that they can do this too. Um, so yeah, I was able to look back at some of the challenges that I've faced since, I mean, for this whole process of sugar addiction. Um, and the first challenge that I really thought of was that I thought something was wrong with me. And why is it that I have these goals of being healthy and I'm healthy in a lot of areas of my life as far as I love to exercise and I love, I do enjoy healthy foods, but why is it that I cannot give up the sugar? Um, and so about 10 years ago, and this is, you know, this is a long time ago, this has a, been a process, but about 10 years ago, I read this book called Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss. And what this book did for me was it made me realize that our food industry is designed or is designing the food that we eat to have um, substance in it and that we are addicted to. Um, they spend money on research to find that sweet spot. They call it the sweet spot. The right combination of sugar and fat or salt and fat or all three so that we crave that product. And why? They're in the business to make money. So if we crave it, and we go out and want it and buy it, and then we want it more, then they make money. And that is their industry, right? That's their business. So reading this book really helped me to see that um, there isn't anything wrong with me. When I go to the store, the packaging, the taste, the smells, um, the color of the food is designed so that I want more, right? Mm. And so I really, um, reading this book really helped me to realize that it isn't about willpower. The food companies are working against our best healthy, you know, they're working against those desires of ours to be healthy and to really want the bet what's best for us. Like on purpose with intention, they're spending a lot of money to do this. And they actually have scientists, you know, that work on that, finding that sweet spot that you're talking about, like just right. the right amount so that it is addictive. And then using marketing, like all you said, there's all these, it's just being thrown at us in so many different ways, as far as even going to the store and where, you know, when you try to check out, there's candy at the checkout, you know, and even not just at the grocery store, but at Home Depot or Old Neighbor, all these different stores. So we're just totally inundated with it all the time. So even people that aren't addicted might say, oh, you know, turn it down one or once or twice. But when it's constantly in your face, you're eventually going to say yes. Um, and yeah, and that's the whole goal is not that it's hurting our overall health, but that they, yeah, it's just about making more profit. So yeah, to me, that's just so sad, especially when it comes to targeting kids, mm -hmm. you know, and how much of the industry is really targeting kids. That is just so, so, so sad to me. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, you know, even their slogans, like you can't just eat one. Well, that was me. I mean, I was like you, I eat the whole bag if I have just one. And Siobhan, it's not just the things that we would expect, like the chips and the candy and the, you know, the junk food it's labeled as healthy. So our yogurts and our, our, some of our vegetables like soups and salsas, and those things that we consider healthy have added sugar and salt to keep us wanting more. And so that's like the deception. So having that realization that the challenge was there's something wrong with me. Well, when you have stuff like that working against you, it isn't, I mean, I, I, I do take responsibility. I do feel like I had that addiction, but when you have companies like that, that are, it's our food industry. So that was a big um, realization that there isn't anything wrong with me other than oh. I am addicted, but having that realization was such a, it lightened it but really still, there's me. nothing wrong with you. You know, when you're addicted, that's yeah. just the way our brain chemistry, it's the way we're wired. It still doesn't mean it's our fault or anything's wrong. There's nothing we could have done differently about that. It's just the way that we're wired, that we're more sensitive to this. Just like a person that might become an alcoholic is more sensitive to alcohol or whatever it is. So it's nothing. It's just then that we are being targeted <laughs> to then really um, make that addiction even worse. Because this is something, again, that even people that aren't necessarily addicts still struggle with um, sure. and why there's a whole kind of um, scale here of you know how highly addictive people are because really 
all people are probably slightly addicted at least because of these exact formulas that we, and it's mostly the processed food. Like, and you said, and it can look like healthy from the label, even things with all natural or whatever, but that's why it's so important to read the ingredients and even foods like you're saying, like salsa or yogurt, just kind of take a look and see what else is added in there. Because yeah, I was shocked especially that first year, but still once in a while, I'll read a label and be like, really, we have to put sugar in this. So I just yeah. had, I was, I wanted some salsa and I found, read the label and it's got sugar in it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, why do you have to do that? Exactly. Um, so going from there, I noticed that anytime I would restrict food, um, even after reading this book, I was like, oh my gosh. And I would, I would win extreme and restrict, which would lead to a binge restrict cycle, which I have struggled with for so many years. And so, um, one of the other challenges that I had was that, um, that addiction struggle. And so after I would binge and then restrict and binge and restrict, I looked for another resource, like what is wrong with me? Right. And so a little after that, I found um, Catherine Hansen and she wrote Brain Over Binge. And basically she led me to this book called Rational Recovery, The New Cure for Substance Addiction. And it's really geared toward alcoholics but or other substance abuse. But what she kind of talked about was that addiction to sugar. And so in this resource, it talked about um, the high brain, low brain. So, and I know you've talked about it with other people on your show, but basically the high brain, the way that I look at it is that would be more of my true authentic self, my rational self. I know I don't need sugar. Um, It doesn't do me any good in my mind, body, and soul. And so I want to give it up. And then you've got that low brain, which is more of your, I would say addicted brain or um, survival, right? Like if I'm restricting, that's the part of the brain that says, you need to eat. And when you have that food, you need to eat more of it because I don't, you know, it doesn't know when it's going to get it again, not realizing that we live in 2022, right? Where food is abundant. So um, it really gave me the knowledge to see that there are those two parts of my brain and then it became a struggle. And so I took that information. Okay. Then sugar really is addictive. And I like to think of it as like your five-year-old, if you're a parent and you have a five-year-old and you go to the grocery store and your five-year-old, my low brain or my addictive part of the brain sees the candy, the cereal, the chips, whatever it wants. And it's saying, Hey, I want that. Right. And if, as a mom, I might ignore that five-year-old. And so I ignore it. And what happens when you ignore your five-year-old, they scream a little louder. And they start getting louder and louder and louder. And same with those urges or that addicted part of the brain wants that substance, right? And so if as a parent, you have two choices. One, you can give in to that five-year-old, give them the cookies, the candy, the cake, and they're happy. So same with your addicted part of the brain. If you give into that um, sugar, there's going to be like, oh, thank you, right? For a while you gave into it. But what happens when you go back to the store the next time when that five-year-old wants that, whatever it is, they know that if they scream loud enough, if they throw a big enough fit, you're going to give into it. So that part of your brain just starts is yelling all the time. And there's that struggle. Now, what I've learned to do with your help and with the help of these other resources is to the other option I have um, with that five-year-old is to say, to acknowledge it. I hear you. I hear that you want whatever it is, the cookies, the candy, the cake. And then the answer is no. So the five-year-old or my, that addictive part of my brain for a while, it was really rough. I mean, those first three days, those first 10 days, the first two months, that five-year-old would continually try to want and scream for that thing. But after, as the more I was able to acknowledge it, I hear you, but the answer is no. Then that, that urge or that addictive part of my brain it quieted down quite a bit. And I was amazed at how quickly um, those urges kind of settled down. So I don't know if that- Well, I'm loving that metaphor so much. That's so, so good. And just like with parenting people with young kids, 
are going to really relate to that is like, it's so much easier sometimes just to say yes and to yeah. give in, you yeah. know, and it's much harder to say no and follow through. But in the long term, by saying no and following through, it does get easier, easier, and then it stops that behavior. And, and that's true with parenting, too. So I really, really like, you know, and it's so true. If it does get easier, just acknowledging, yes. yes, but no, I don't do that anymore or whatever you say around it. And then it does become more, you know, of a, of a, of a natural reaction instead, you know, so and I think just those urges, they just kind of subside. They never really all the way go away, mm-hmm. but it's like, you can breathe through it. They're not quite as they're not throwing that temper tantrum quite so much. And I am still amazed at how different it is because in the past, the urge was so strong. I mean, I'd be standing with my hand in a bag of M&Ms opening the pantry to see what else I could, you know, what else I could have and almost being afraid of that. Like, when is this going to happen again? And how am I going to navigate this? And just that grip it had on me. So I think that is probably one of the greatest things for me coming, having come this far is that it's so much quieter and not so just big. Mm -hmm. Um, So then moving on to another challenge um, that I, you know, I don't know I, what might resonate with other people is that I was waiting on and blaming other people. So I was waiting for um, my husband, my kids, my fa- other family members to almost fix this for me. And knowing that, oh, well, they're gonna bring that into the house. So I can't give up sugar. I can't do this without them being 100% on board with me and doing it. And that is so, I mean, I know that there are some people that maybe would have family members that would do it with them, but realistically, um, you're always going to have some sort of a work event or a birthday party or something where it's there. And so the challenge of, I have to wait for everybody else to do it with me. I think how I overcome that overcame that was listening to somebody on your podcast. I'm not even sure who it was, but I'm the one with the addiction. I'm the one that can't have just one. There are, my family members are fine with sugar. They don't, they don't have those um, issues with it. Like I do. So having that realization that this is something that I have to do, not necessarily by myself. I, I definitely have my husband's support, but he doesn't have the problems like I do. And so this is something that I have to do for myself. Um, And I think finding your podcast and knowing that I'm not alone in that and that there are other people too was very helpful. Um, But just um, having the realization that this is me and this is mine to deal with and that I can do it. And I think it's okay to have a little pity party about that first. I think that's part of the like grieving processes. It's kind of feels unfair that, yeah, that your husband and kids might be able to eat in, you know, moderation or, and not be triggered the same way or friends. Like I, I felt like that a lot just growing up, like how can all my friends like indulge in these treats, but not have the same reaction that I have can, Mm -hmm. you know, take it or leave it where I I couldn't, you know, like I I couldn't, I I had to eat the whole thing. And it was really frustrating for me. I just wanted to be normal or whatever. And um, yeah, then finally just kind of accepting again, that the addiction, that's just the way that I'm wired. It's not that anything's wrong with me. I'm just wired differently. So I have to do things differently. And yeah, I think with with that acceptance and realizing too, that you have to do it for yourself. I think that's like any addiction, you know, you really have to be wanting, you know, need wanting to do and take care of yourself. And then as a mom, especially, I think we put all of our family needs before our own. And I mean, I hear that a lot from people I work with too, and it's finally being okay and giving ourselves permission to prioritize ourselves and our own health. And that's something I talk a lot about in my groups. It's like our recovery, my recovery comes first every single day, even mm-hmm. before my family and everything else, because if that falls apart, so does everything else. So my 
prioritizing my recovery and just getting, and that's still saying that out loud still sounds really selfish to me, but I know how critical that is, but it's so hard. I think, especially for women and moms that have kind of been programmed that our needs come last and it's, it's really hard to kind of make that switch. But I really think once you do the other stuff really falls into, into place. Well, and you say it sounds self selfish, but I don't think that it does because I think being, it almost felt the opposite when you, when I was eating so much sugar to me, that felt so much more selfish, especially looking back how selfish that was because I wasn't available to my family. I was so focused on my next, whatever it was, my next, um, binge or, uh, whatever. And so to me, looking back, that was more selfish than the freedom that has come with giving that up. And I know you've talked about this too, but it's so much easier to just eliminate all of it than trying to, um, what, uh, what do you, you say? Um, moderate, yeah. moderate, right. Yeah. There isn't any moderation. It is, it's just cutting that, cutting it all the way off. Yeah. And it is a gift to your family too. Like you're saying, cause you're able to be a lot more present, you know, that's something that I, and a lot more time and energy is spent. Even like, like I said, I used to go out to dinner, even if it was with friends, I could care less in some ways about who I was with. It was all about the food for me, at least inside my head where mm-hmm. now that's like, I still enjoy eating and like look forward to what my meals, but not in that same almost like possessed way. Like I'm able to much more focus on who I'm with and be really present, enjoy the conversation and laugh. And yeah, so you're right. It is really not selfish because you're actually becoming a much more present, um, whether it's mom or partner, daughter, friend, whatever, you're becoming actually (laughs) a much better version of yourself. I 100% agree. And I can see that in my own life where I am more present, not perfect, but um, just not so consumed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then, so moving on to another challenge, and I've talked about this before, but the challenge was the restriction. If I was too restrictive and I can just see the pattern over the years of my life where I would know that I had a problem with sugar and flour, but then to me in my mind, that meant all carbs and some vegetables and fruit in some instances. And so I can see that if I was too restrictive, it just, and you've talked about this before, it just made me obsess about it even more. And that is you know, obviously our bodies, my body was saying, Hey, what about the nutrition? What about the, you know, what about sustaining your, your activity level? And so what that would lead to is binging. And most of the time it was on some sort of sugary or something, you know, unhealthy. And so, um, and I noticed that even as a pattern into this January, like we talked about, I wanted to cut out all carbs again, just because, um, I, you know, just habit or what if I feel better or, you know, what if this will help as me, as I move through the winter and having to really acknowledge that again, acknowledging that urge and just saying, no, not this year, not, not during this time and really taking a look at the gains and how far I've come in the last eight months. And that was enough to really say, okay, I don't need to do that right now. I don't need to be that restrictive. What I'm doing is really benefiting me so much more than trying to be restrictive and going back into that cycle. I'm so glad you said that too, because again, I think a lot of people struggle with that. I hear it in my groups and I know from myself and I really would encourage people to at least give yourself a full year. And for me, it really took almost three years before I was able to start experimenting a little bit more with things like intermittent fasting or, you know, not eating as much chips, you know, the, the more, you know, foods that you can eat that are more like treat foods because, and when I knew I was ready was when I could remove it and it wasn't triggering, but it takes so long for our brains to heal. 
um, you know, up to even like seven years. So I just feel like it's, you know, um, we're making these positive, you know, forward motions. And unless again, everyone's so different, it just depends um, on what's going on individually. Some people have some health concerns that maybe they do need to restrict more, maybe they don't. So you have to kind of look at your overall picture and kind of experiment. But I think a good way to know is if you start thinking about it and then that starts triggering you, you're, you're not ready yet for that. Um, and it's just not worth it. Like to me, cause I, I, I fought with that many times throughout that first year, but even second year. And it really, like I said, wasn't until the third year that I felt like, okay, I can, I feel better playing around with this and just kind of keeping it in your head that it takes a long time for that brain chemistry to really, really heal. And you're still doing so many amazing things for your body. And I know with like Susan Miller, you know, someone that we've talked to off and on through her journey. And that was something really hard for her in the beginning. It's like, I was telling her, you need to eat more. You're restricting too much. And she really resisted it at first and then was amazed at what happens when she kind of loosened up on that a little bit. And that's such a mentality for addicts is all or nothing. Yes. Yes. So it's really hard for us. Um, cause we are very much like completely all or nothing. I mean, that's how I used to be. I would either be eating like perfectly one day. And then the next day was a complete disaster. It was like no in between. Yeah. That vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do think that kind of creeps in a lot still like, and then, you know, it's just kind of those thoughts again, well, maybe you should, or just hearing like, well, Siobhan doesn't eat grains, which isn't true. I do. But if you hear that, or I've, even when I interview other people on the podcast and hear what they're doing differently, I can't help, but then be like, huh, maybe I should try that. But it's yeah. so important, I think, for everyone listening is just not to compare yourself to anyone else's journey because we're all so different. So as much as we would like to be told here, this is your exact formula that's going to work for you. It's not that easy. You kind of have to figure it out and just be open to that. It's going to change. You know, it's going to be something that you have to continue to tweak. You know, you might be able to tolerate more now than you can like a few years from now, but it's just going to be a journey that you have to pay attention to and really just trying not to compare to other people. Um, Cause that's kind of where I went astray. Well, they're feeling really good because they're not having any grains or, you know, and I love sweet potatoes and I know people that will be like, you can't do sweet potatoes. And I'm like, well, they seem to work for my body. So Yeah. Yeah. And I think just listening to yourself and listening to your true authentic self um, and who you were created to be, you know, Um, because I've done that too. I've, I have listened to something and and compared, you know, what I'm doing to what somebody else is doing. And it is a, it can be a trap. So Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah. And I think part of that, it does play into the January, like, okay, what are people around me are doing this and maybe I should be doing that. And, but really just holding on to who I am and, you know, is really good advice. And I'm so glad that you said that it took you about three years, because again, I have tried to cut out some of that other stuff. And like you said, it's triggering that I, I want it more. I'm, you know, so just holding steady is fine. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing well. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that because it is so important to hear that. And and because to me, the most important thing is sustaining this. So if you're eating, like, and I remind myself that if I'm having a little popcorn and chips, whatever, uh, if that's, what's like making this sustainable, because as soon as you feel too deprived, you know, that's a trigger too. It needs to be, you need to feel like, um, satisfied and satiated. I really think to make it sustainable, So, cause there already is so many things that you might not be able to enjoy. So you've got to have some things that you really feel like, okay, you know, and then I think then you can start experimenting. And I know when I did take out the last year, I think for almost six months, I didn't do any grains. I didn't do caffeine and I really didn't feel much different to be completely honest. So I have added some things back in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll still eat popcorn or sweet potato chips and I'll have an iced tea. I'm not a big caffeine person, but I'll have iced tea once in a while because mm-hmm. I really was curious to see if I felt like a big shift and I didn't. But at this point too, I don't have to rely as much as I did on those 
in the beginning, you know, because your taste buds are going to continue to change. It takes a while, I think, for the blood sugar to kind of balance. So, um, yeah, just really paying attention to that is, I think, really good. And just giving yourself like <laughs> some grace of I'm already doing some pretty drastic changes from how the way we used to eat. So give yourselves, give your bodies a little time to adjust and catch up. Like, I think you can almost overwhelm your body if you try to do, like, if you get too restrictive. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the studies are on this, but I mean, that substance and your body and your brain, um, the longer you abstain from it, the more healing. And I don't know how long that takes. I, some of the benefits are pretty early on, but I think, you know, there's still, you said three years, I'm at eight months. I know that there's still some. Well, Bitten Johnson will say seven years oh, really wow. for your, for your brain to really heal. Like it just, it, it takes a while for an addict. I mean, of course you're feeling significant stuff along the way, mm -hmm. but I always keep that in my mind when I am having beating myself up or feeling like, and I'm just like, you know what, you know, yeah, it's been four years, but it could take as long as seven. So yeah, kind of keep that in your mind as there's a lot going on in, in that brain healing part that yeah, right. plays into all of this. And just that grace for ourselves and mm -hmm. being kind and, and the self-love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so the last challenge that I really, that I um, wrote down was the challenge of feeling alone and so isolated and feeling like I was the only one and trying to go alone and just white knuckling it and, you know, um, just feeling so isolated in it. And when I found your podcast and I, I just, I'm so grateful for you and the work that you're doing, but your month, monthly recaps, I would listen to month one when I was in month one, actually I listened to your full year before I even started because I, it seemed like such a long time, a month or a year, a year. I'm like, there's no way. So then I pulled it back and listened to your month one over and over again, and just feeling that support and the, the empathy. I mean, you were, you had done it and you, and I think the fact that you had done it and were continuing to do it well into three years, by the time I started listening to it was so inspiring and motivational for me to know that I wasn't alone and that you were doing it and other people were doing it. Um, it was just that was how I overcame that challenge. Um, so my hope would be that if anybody out there is struggling and I'm sure that there are just know that you're not alone, um, and reach out to, to Siobhan or me or anybody there, you know, there are a lot of resources, especially with podcasts and, um, other things like that. And, you know, I know you have some great support going on and, um, I just think that it's so important to have support and encouragement and somebody to inspire you to pull you into that. I agree so much. And, you know, Leslie, you and I are very unique in that we kind of did this on our own. You know, you're not part of a group. You're not like, and that is very, very unique. Most people that do it this way don't, um, you know, relapse pretty quickly because, you know, really the, um, the best thing for addiction is community and connection. So for me, I just feel like even now there's so much more resources than there were when I started this even four years ago. Um, but that's why I wrote every day. You know, that's why you're coming on the podcast. It's just that accountability piece, but also that community of knowing, yes, I'm not the only one. Cause I think we all feel like that at some point. Yeah. Like I am the only one deal. Like, why is this, you know, my struggle, but there's this, such a big community of us. And it's so important. I think, um, and I feel so grateful now. I think that's the only thing that's kept me going is the, is the podcast, my group coaching. And that's why I've also just started this first Friday concepts where the first Friday of the month, um, for anyone that wants to join, you can go to my website under group coaching. It's called first Fridays. It's only $25 and it's an hour and a half zoom and it just helps, you know, I'll, I'll offer some coaching, but it's just people sharing their stories, their struggles, their challenges, and us just supporting each other 
um, and, and feeling that sense of community and belonging and knowing you're not alone. And we just, again, from time and time again, from my group coaching, I hear that that's the most benefit that they get is hearing from other people with the same struggles. So like listening to you today, Leslie, and hearing, okay, this is her, what strategies that work for her. It's just so helpful for people. So yeah, know that you're not alone. Um, that's why I do the group coaching programs too, and why they're so successful versus the individual coaching, I think is really, again, having that um, connection, especially on a daily basis in the beginning with people. Um, and my next group starts March 7th. That's on the website too, if anyone wants to join that. I did change it to a 10-week format just from the feedback that I got seven weeks, they wanted more. So we're doing 10 full weeks now. And then for people that that might not be an option, I wanted to offer this first Fridays because I don't want anyone to feel like they're alone or don't have support or access, you know. So both of those are on my website under, under group coaching. Feel free to reach out to me too with any questions. But I think it is really important Um and to have someone not just like most of us have partners are very lucky if we have partners that support us, families that support us, but really people that get it, mm -hmm. that speak your language. Because even those that really love us, they can't understand us if they're not addicts as well. So I do think like Bitten Johnson, who I adore, will say that too. Like she really, you just need people that speak your language. Yes. You know, when I say like I dug into a trash can um, the next morning, because I decided I was going to start a diet the night before, but then one of the brownies I threw out and ate them out of the trash can. Yeah, Leslie's raising her hand. Like, you don't look at me like, oh, that's crazy. It's people are like, yep, been there, done that. And I think that's just so reassuring um, some of this stuff and being able to share. You know, Bitten will also, you know, she calls it her red dog and blue dog, and she likes to tattle on her red dog with someone. Oh yeah, guess what? Red Dog tried to tell me that I could eat, you know, have just one chocolate today. Yeah, that's not, you know, so it is, it does kind of take the power away from that lower brain or the reptilian brain or the sugar dragon. People call it so many different things, blue dog, whatever you want to call it. It really helps to take that power away from it. If you can talk about it to someone that gets it, that really, really gets it. At least that's what I have found to be really, really beneficial for me when I talk to other people that just that get it. And that's something I didn't have in the very, very beginning. So I do think probably my first year would have been a lot easier if I had had a community of other people that really understood. Well, and I mean, I've struggled and tried to quit sugar so many times on my own. Um, and the, the missing piece I feel like is, that has gotten me this far is the community that I found in your podcast, even though we weren't face-to-face, -face, even though I wasn't in a group and it was just me, you on my headphones, <laughs> as I was taking a walk, um, for me, that was that community piece that I needed. So I am so grateful. I'm so glad to hear that. And that's why I do this podcast. You know, I want to make sure no one feels alone. And the podcast is something like you said, you can listen to over and over again. There's no kind of financial, you know, expense. You just can listen and you have these resources. And so that's really important to me. Um, and I want to say too, for the group coaching that starts March 7th, we do kind of go sugar and flour free, like, you know, that second week. But I will say my previous coachings, I have people that are different amounts along in their journey. They might've given it up four months ago, eight months ago or whatever. And it's still really beneficial for people. I should just say that. So don't feel like if you're already started or you don't want to wait till March to start, you're motivated to start now. You can still get a lot out of hearing from other people. And it was really interesting to kind of see as people were in different parts of the process. So we just learned that much more from each other. For the people that were a little further ahead, it was really good reflection of realizing how far they had come when they were listening to people in the early stages. And then it was really inspiring for people in the earlier stages to hear from people that were a little further along. And it just made them feel more confident of what was ahead. So there is still a lot of, you know, I just wanted to mention that don't, 
I don't want you to feel like you can't join if you've already started or want to start earlier because there's still a lot of um, value, I think, in, in being a part of a group. So there's a lot of options, not just with me, but so many other people out there. I just want people to make sure they feel like they can get that support because there is so much support out there now and you don't yeah. have to do it alone. When you are in a group, somebody might say something that somebody's already said, but they might say it differently that just resonates with you and who you are and your past experience. Um, so I think that in this journey, there's always something to learn or um, a different strategy that you will learn from somebody else that you hadn't thought of before. Because I think you had said earlier in the podcast, um, your sobriety is daily right yeah and it really is and so it's just something you just have to continually work on yeah and like you said like I've learned a lot from my group like people that they come up with things in the groups I'm like adding that to my you know mm -hmm. like there's just so much we can learn from each other and you're right too it might be someone says it in a different way that really resonates that's why again I do so many of these interviews um but also it might just be the repetition piece like for me I knew I was addicted, but I had to hear it a certain amount of times. And it was when I read that article, even though it was nothing new, it was just at the right time, said the right way. And I was able to receive it finally, but it took a lot. It was like, you know, I'd heard it many times before, but that finally clicked everything into place. So I think repetition can be super, super important for people as well. Yes, I agree. Well, I can't believe we've already at the end of this. I'm so glad that you are here today and we're definitely, you know, going to check in with you right at the one year mark. I definitely want to do that, but tell yeah. us, um, is there anything else maybe that we didn't get to today that you wanted to address or even just like a, a last takeaway for listeners of where you are now or anything that you kind of want to share? I would just say if any of this resonates with anybody listening, that you are worth it that you can do this. I mean, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would ever be free of sugar. I mean, this is a lifelong struggle for me um, and I'm not perfect. I just, I just kept being persistent with it, knowing that this was something that I wanted to do. And so please reach out, get the help. You know, you, you can find me on Instagram too. And I, I'm, I'm just somebody who has come eight months into this. And if you need that support, like reach out, find somebody or some keep searching for something that works for you because you are worth it. Um, you were created for great things. Um, and it, like you had talked about earlier, it really does just help you be the person that you were created to be. Mm, I love that. And good point too, that you were just saying, find something that works for you. For those that are listening and have tried and maybe joined a group that wasn't a good fit, find another one. You really, it is like, that's where I'm so, you have to find what works for you that makes it sustainable. If you're really trying to follow a specific program in a way that's too, feels too restrictive or restrictive, it's not gonna work. So don't give up. There is a solution for you out there. Just make Absolutely. sure you find the one that feels like a good fit for you. Don't yeah. give up, yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Can't wait to check in with you again. It's just so great to see you really just glowing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. That makes me happy. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.